0: It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate.
1: You're listening to The Leaf Report. Follow the guys on Twitter at Jonas Siegel and at Myrtle. Welcome
2: to The Leaf Report. James and I are here just before the... End of the regular season? A meaningless regular season? brought. Meaningless end to the regular season, I should
1: say. It's not a meaningless regular
2: season. It's not a meaningless regular season. Okay, I spoke.
1: I had my headline the other day was I watched this meaningless leaps game so you didn't have to, and then people were tweeting at me about nihilist Arby's and the have you ever seen that Twitter account? No. Oh, it's <laughs> What is it? The end of the world is near, eat Arby's. I don't no. know. It's like Arby's restaurant, if it was When was the last time you went to Arby's? Oh boy. <laughs> i would have been like 19 or something it doesn't it's taste been, that bad it's been almost 20 years i bet it's probably
2: been 10 plus for me it was
1: a at least it was a staple in in it was like a real really it, it had a it had a draw there was a big arby's on the edge of town
2: what else was there to eat like what? you guys you had a wendy's oh yeah we McDonald's. had everything but okay. for
1: some reason we didn't have like a whole bunch of them like we didn't have like eight different wendy's or whatever it was like one of each thing yeah. So Arby's right. was so I bet you the Arby's ratio in campus was higher than like the ratio here. I haven't even seen an Arby's Toronto. I only in Toronto.
2: knew of one Arby's. I grew up in Richmond Hill and there was an Arby's in Aurora that I remember going to. You should
1: follow the Twitter account though, it's very funny. Okay. It, somehow it combines sandwich meat with nihilism.
2: Well I remember John Stewart used to always poke fun at Arby's on the Daily Show? Were you a Daily Show watcher? Oh
1: yeah. I don't okay. remember Well yeah. Was it just like.? It was like
2: regularly part of his shtick.
1: Because it was like bad food? Yeah. Nihilist Arby's. They have 342,000 followers.
2: Wow. All right, let's talk about the Leafs. Where do you want to start? You want to start with Austin Matthews?
1: I think we should just do a whole hour of Arby's. <laughs> <laughs> the Arby <RV> report? <laughs> Arby's report? Um, We might be reporting on the bees if the Leafs play the Bruins in the first round. Nice connection. But it it looks like they're going to be playing the Lightning, which I'm happy about because the weather is nicer in Tampa Bay than in in Boston.
2: Yep. Okay, let's talk about Austin Matthews. It's been just over a handful of games since he's been back. Uh, Obviously, the game against Buffalo. It's
1: been seven games, isn't it? Yeah, just over a handful. Yeah. My handfuls are handfuls five. Yeah, okay. Just over that. I have seven fingers on one hand, so that's right. <laughs> <guess>. <laughs> this
2: podcast has gone off the rails already, and we haven't even started. Um, so he's played just over a handful of games, seven games to be precise. When you're, if you're listening to this before uh, the game that they're going to play in Jersey, uh, I believe he's got ten points,
1: five um, goals,
2: five goals. But it just look the game against Buffalo was a bit different. Like he looked. More like himself? I don't yeah, know the Sabres mean, played like shit. The Sabres aren't good, <laughs> so that helps. Um, but what have you kind of seen from him since he's been back? Like you were at the, the first – what was the first game he Nashville, played? Was in Nashville, in Nashville, yeah. What's the difference you see in him now versus like right when he got back?
1: I I think that they gave him extra time to be ready and be rested, like extra rested. So he was – even in Nashville, he was ready to go. Like he was ready to play – pretty big minutes and the shots there and where is he since then? He's just slowly getting better and better. But I, I think that even in Nashville, he made an impact like that. You're playing one of the best teams in the NHL. You score one of the big goals. His teammates were looking for him all over the ice. And that was quite a goal. Yeah.
2: That's like vintage Matthews.
1: Fishing the puck out of the yeah. the some guy's feet and then just shelving it. Yeah, I don't have any. I, I guess what I would say is I don't have any questions that he's going to be ready for the playoffs. He looks. He looks like he's ready.
2: Yeah, it's funny. Like if he had been forced to miss even like a week more, then it would be that would like be a like a big narrative. Yeah,
1: yeah. Or if he was like didn't have a ton of points right now in these games, it would yeah, it true. would probably oh is he going to be recovered and whatever. But like no one's going to be talking about that. People are going to be talking about like how how good he is.
2: Or if it was a situation where. Um, like he was coming off a different injury, like it, let's say it was a leg injury, I think it would be harder for him to get back. Do you know what I mean? Like remember when he came back from? So the other con- injuries were back and concussion, mm-hmm. and the concussion obviously he couldn't skate. And I'm not. Babcock
1: said he couldn't skate with both the other right, injuries. Right. So both.
2: And and you remember him coming back kind of slowly, like it yeah. took him a while to get himself back. And it's like, on a way more extreme level, I've always thought of it like when you you haven't worked out in a few weeks. Yeah how brutal it is when you first work out that first time and then the second time's a little better and the third time so, better and better and better. I
1: play beer league hockey once a week. That's all, like one of the only real uh, strenuous activities I do. And so uh, we had a bye yep. and then I missed a game because I was on the road trip and then uh, Easter canceled another week. So I haven't played in a month and we're playing in the final on Sunday.
2: Yeah, so it's going to be really hard but it's going to be hard be for all of you. It's going to be terrible. Yeah. And players will always tell you that, like, the first game back, first two games back, you're just, like, getting back up to speed. Imagine taking a
1: month off and then playing a winner-take-all Stanley Cup final game.
2: Right. So they benefited from the fact that they, A, were able to take a lot of time. Like, they, they they didn't feel that pressure from the standings. You know, like, they would have felt like, he's ready, bring him back. And I don't know what B is. But-
1: so here's the debate. I talked, to, I talked to Justin Bourne about this. I talked to Ray Ferraro about this. Will it help or hurt them that they've played all these games against meaningless teams, and then they've had like, like the last like twenty games have just been <clears throat> like? I mean, it's good that they've won a whole bunch of them, but the question is like, is it is it good to have the way that their season is ended going into the playoffs, or bad? It feels like bad, doesn't it? Like you should have something that you're playing for.
2: I think we can start to overanalyze that stuff.
1: Yeah, well, that's that's why we call this the. Let
2: me let me answer in two parts, like. The first is the games that they've played against good teams yeah. have been good games. And you can tell... Like, and they've played your, well. Yeah, and Ron Hainsey pointed this out in one of your stories. Like They seem to get up for those games. Like they, they, They're on edge. They're maybe a little scared. And they get down for the... And I think the other part is like you can look at teams who played really well. Like I'm just thinking of last year. Like Washington runs away with the President's Trophy, basically. Pittsburgh... Has like a hundred and ten something points, like isn't that far behind? Washington wins that first round series. Is it easy? No, but like I I don't know that it ends up mattering. Maybe it does. I don't like. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Like maybe it'll it probably matter. depend
1: how they play in the first round. Like if if they look like they're rusty, everyone will say that. Yeah, it's usually revision revisionist, revisionist I think history. What's
2: going to be more interesting is what's going to end up happening with the lineup. And you and I've been talking about this a lot. Is Andreas Johnson? You said in the press box last night that he looks like one of their best eight forwards, and it's really hard to disagree. And yet, when Game One comes around, barring something unforeseen, they have to. He's pl- not be they playing. should
1: be playing him. Like no offense to Leo Komarov, like the penalty kill is better with Johnson on it. The power play is better with Johnson on it. Even strength, the fourth line has been better with him on it.
2: Oh well, the the first game Komarov played, the fourth line was terrible, mm-hmm. and the games that Johnson's been on it, it just like it. It's speed it's kind of scary to his face. tenacity is fantastic like he's he doesn't just, stop he's yeah. got pretty good skill yeah um, he's good with
1: the puck like he doesn't make but can you bad put your, decisions with the puck
2: no he's smart but can you put yourself in mike babcock's shoes going into the most important games of the year and wanting someone you know has played more than 10 games in the league
1: yeah like i, I can understand that yeah I and know. i can
2: understand like when you're getting into tough spots um, that you want to have a guy that you can trust.
1: Remember, like last year, how many games had Kapanen played when he went into the playoffs? Like eight or something like that? And he was great in the playoffs in, in the postseason. Yeah. Experience,
2: like, it's it can be a crutch for coaches, and I get it. Like, if I was going into a game that mattered, I'd want a guy who I know has actually been there.
1: You know what makes me think is that they made these decisions to likely walk away from Bozak, JVR, and Komarov. And when you see what they've got coming with a Janssen, it's like. Uh, it, it gives you uh, optimism for next year that they're going to be fine up front at forward. They're going to get faster. They're going to. I mean, they're not going to be as deep, right? Because like all of a sudden, well, I mean they, they have tons like, of cap space to bring in another forward.
2: True. Well, they're going to need another center. So if they bring centers. in, if they
1: bring in a really good third line center, then maybe they'll be fine. Like yeah. someone who's an upgrade over who's that guy? I don't know, like Paul Stastny or something. You know how much he's going to cost. He's old now. He's not going to cause that much. How much? I don't know. Five and a half. They got to start. They got to bring in some guys. I don't think on can. one think year deals, deals if they can. That. Yeah, it's going to be free agency. Will be so interesting. Yeah. Because I think some of the older guys are going to have like I some of the older guys are going to have a harder time getting the contracts that they have in the past. What well, I don't think
2: we're going to see like the seven year deals for, for like thirty two year olds Right. Yeah, Paul Stasnyk will be interesting, actually. I'd assume that he will cash in just because there are basically no centers besides the, the best one.
1: I guess Montreal is looking at guys like that, right? Like, It's like whoever misses out on Tavares is going to be scrambling to get a guy like that.
2: Well, and then there's Bozak.
1: Yeah, I d- did you see there was a report that Vancouver might want Bozak next year? Yeah, now they don't right. have the Sedins. That's and, about right. So he'll go to a team like that. and
2: I don't know. That, yeah.
1: You don't, I probably right. I mean, there's going to be a team that that pays him more than they probably should.
2: Yeah, and he may want to go there. I
1: don't know. Your new fish are like, they're freaking out. Charlie got taken back to the pet store. If you, if you didn't know, <laughs> Jonas had a fish Charlie, and it killed all the other fish, and he was the only fish in there for like six <laughs> months. He was all depressed, so he got taken to the fish shrink and. They decided he had to go back to the pet store.
2: They replace, We've replaced him. Anyway, <laughs> so the podcast is, is – we're just <laughs> trying to make by, sure it actually records. The podcast is brought to you
1: by Petland.
2: <laughs> but I think it, it's funny. You do, you do the mailbags for the athletic, which are always really popular, and, and you've told me the one question that you get more often than most is who's mm-hmm. going to be their, their third-line center. Yeah, I kid. literally
1: get it like 10 times every time I have a mailbag, which is – there's only there's only so many ways to answer that question. I think
2: it is such a fascinating thing with Nylander so I think they'll
1: try and get a guy like Tavares or whatever, and if they don't, then Neander probably plays center next year. But
2: how do you, like, you see those two together, and there's a lot we can get yeah. into, actually, with this line. One Maybe one Matthews looks
1: to, like that with everybody.
2: I don't think that's true. <laughs> like, do you see the way that they look for each other in transition, try to get each other the puck, and play off each other? Like, they just do these things that... Only they can do based on how they see the game. And one thing I've noticed, and I don't know if you've noticed this too, there's been, to my eye, less use for the Zach Hyman quality on the line. They don't dump the puck in. They're coming in with control every time, and they're just finding each other, which kind of negates a little bit of why you have Hyman
1: on that line. But Hyman's like, if the puck does go below the goal line, he's he's there. Or if there's garbage in front of the net. Like, I don't think you can argue. How many points does Hyman have? 41 or something? I don't think you can argue with the year that he's had. No. No. His even strength production is
2: really good. But it's also a product of playing with the guy he plays with. Oh, yeah,
1: for sure. But it's like if the line is working, then why would you? The line works. But if they can't bring in another center, then there's not any other option other than under playing center.
2: Well, or you bring back Bozak. If he wants I, to come back. I don't think
1: push. that's going to happen. I really don't think that's going to happen. He's going to get more somewhere else.
2: The thing is, like, you can create a world where they're fine. Like, One year deal was- would
1: be all I would give him. It would be one year.
2: Yeah, that's all I would do. And he's not. I can't imagine he'd do that.
1: No, because he's going to get three or something from some Vancouver-like <laughs> team. Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be There's going to be teams that don't know what they're doing, that are giving out lots of money, that need players. Can we pause and, and talk about him for a second just because he's top of mind for me? I just wrote a big long thing about
2: uh, his career in Toronto. He's like been a controversial figure just because the team hasn't been good and he's played more of a role And he
1: blocks all the fans and me. Yes,
2: that, that doesn't <laughs> help with his perception. But his career is like a wild success.
1: To be oh, one yeah, of, like yeah, yeah. all time
2: yeah. leaders in, in games and points and like all that stuff for the
1: Leafs. Well if you and, look at Undrafted players in the league in the last like 10 15 years, there haven't been very many. Zuccarello is one of them. There aren't that many like real big success stories. Yeah, he's one of the only ones. It's the draft usually gets everybody now.
2: Yeah, that's what Brian Burke said. Like, he I'm paraphrasing, but he said, like, we don't miss that much, right? Um,
1: if you, yeah, if people haven't read it, Jonas's story on Bozak was, was excellent. Well, I just
2: think it's interesting, like, looking how. I kind of looked at how he got to the Leafs. And part of why he was able to play so many games is the team wasn't that good. But, like, he still had to be good enough that, like, every coach who came in just played him. You know what I mean? Like, granted, they didn't have a, a lot of talent, but he he's an NHL player. Like, and he's carved out a pretty good career. Well, and he's slowing
1: down now, too, right? So Yeah. So if it's your choice, then it's going to be Neander.
2: Like, it's got to be Neander. Anyway, we should get off this topic. I don't know what else we can say about it that we haven't said already.
1: Um, I think they try and get a center from a trade or whatever. I think that they're going to try and bring someone in. But my question to that
2: is like, who are these teams that want to trade their centers? Like, I yeah. guess no, that's fair. But I guess maybe a team like Edmonton looks at its team and says, you know what, we have. I think Ryan Nugent Hopkins has either two or three more after this year, at I think six million dollar cap hit. Is that something like if you don't get Tavares? Yeah, they're going to want a lot
1: back for him. Like, what are you going to trade to get him? Well, that's the problem.
2: That's it, right? I can see why
1: everyone's asking about the center question over and over again because it's it's a big, it's a really difficult question to answer.
2: Yeah, it would be way less difficult if Matthews and Nylander weren't so good
1: together, or Marner and Matthews were playing together and Nylander was playing somewhere else. The other thing too is they don't even have a fourth line center. Like they need two centers, and there's nothing in free agency. There's not a lot in free agency. Yes, and I think they're going to have the same problem that they had. And there's other teams like Vancouver, Montreal, San Jose. There's a whole bunch of teams that want centers.
2: Yeah, it almost feels like it's just going to be the same thing as this year and last, where trade deadline they just have to go out and get someone else. Like they just have have to look at like the crap teams and try to get their best defensive center
1: how's that working out for them right now I still I'm still not ready to close that book he hasn't been very good though no
2: but they didn't get him to be good in the regular season so like let's see what happens in a playoff series where he's going against the same players he's more comfortable with the team he's more comfortable with the coaches his role all that
1: stuff i wonder if Plakanish just like declined and like it didn't get written about a lot in montreal and like he's like very possible he's 35 yeah but the thing yeah. that the Montreal writers talking to Arpin about uh, Placanich is that he said that you know his offensive game just it's not there really anymore. Well, you can see that. But defensively, he's still good, and like we haven't even seen that right, so far with the Leafs. So people are saying he's a sleeper agent, or <laughs> the, the fans are frustrated with Tom I guess. Thomas the, thing, the
2: thing is, like you can be really smart, but when you start to lose a step. Maybe it doesn't matter as much.
1: Maybe the way the Leafs play too, which is like very speed oriented, is just it's hard for him to be a good fit in that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Although he's looked a lot like the line looks better when it's he's surrounded by two really fast guys.
1: So like the line looks slow
2: when it's him and Komarov because they're both slow. <laughs> but when, Imagine when that. But when it's Kapanen and, and Janssen with him, the line looks fast. The Line looks interesting. So. But I'll judge it on the playoffs. So like if, if you if
1: it, put fast players on the line, the line's fast. <laughs> I'm just trying to catch up here.
2: Okay, well, let's talk about um, a story that you wrote for The Athletic about some of the franchise records that have been set. You know, wins, points was tied against Buffalo. Um you kind of wrote about whether this is the best leaf team in, in franchise history. What did you end up judging based on some of those numbers?
1: I think what happens is people think, "Oh yeah, okay, whatever they have more wins than they've ever had before in the regular season. They have more points than they've had in the regular season, but now there's shootouts and whatever so so what we me and dumb loose chicken tried to figure out is. If we look at things like goal differential, we look at the era that they play in and all of those things, where does this season actually rank for the Leafs in franchise history? I think in the modern era, like post-original six, when there were more than six teams, you can make the argument this is the best regular season they've had, which is crazy if you think about it. And I think what it speaks to more than anything is the Leafs have not been a good franchise for a long time. Not only have they not been to the final in 51 years, not only have they not won a Stanley Cup in 51 years, their regular seasons are not very good. That's the number one takeaway I have, is that, like, this, this, you and I have been covering, you've been around the team longer than I have, and you've been around Toronto longer than I have. I moved here about 15 years ago, but before that, there wasn't, there wasn't really a lot to get excited about with this team. Yeah, they had 93, yeah, they had 2003, 2004, they had 02 when they, against Carolina, Mm -hmm. but a lot of those teams were kind of just, like, the eighth best team in the NHL or the ninth best team in the NHL, and... They were. It was a badly managed franchise for a long time. You look at the eighties, and it was just. A, it was a joke, and the seventies weren't were bad. And it's a really good point. And I remember I, I watching you go through some of the
2: research, and you were looking at teams like Washington. And it's like they had a hundred points, like year after year after year. You know year. what I looked
1: at? Well, um, after they set the wins record or matched the wins record, yeah. I was like, "Oh, they're on pace for 105 points." I wonder how many 105 point teams Patrick Marlow has been a part of? Because I was going to talk to Patrick Marlow. He's been on five teams. <laughs> In his career in San Jose, that had 105 points or more, and probably a whole bunch that had 100. Or yes, close oh, to tons, it. Ton, 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 tons, tons, tons. Well, and, I guess and the Leafs have only had had 100 before this year, like twice ever. So the reality is, is that he, yes, this is one of the best Leafs regular seasons ever, even with the shootouts taken out and all that stuff. But their regular seasons have pretty much sucked. Like they've not been a very good team.
2: Well, I bet if we looked at like most of Mike Babcock's teams in Detroit, they were probably all 100. Oh yeah. 100, well, didn't they blocks.
1: had the one team with like 126 or something, right? Yeah, like one they one of the best all-time. Right.
2: But I guess it, you can also tell in like some of these records that are being broken, like last year with all the rookie records. Like 69 points is really good, but it's not like insane. And that was the record like I don't think anybody else I'm trying to remember. What they haven't Peter won Ian league awards records. hardly at all.
1: Nobody's won. Like they've had have a Selke and Matthews and like a Jack Adams. Calder
2: was the first in 51 years. They haven't had a Hart in forever. They haven't had a Vesna a Jack Adams since Pat Burns. I Conn think. Conn Smythe. They.
1: they Nothing. Don't, they don't win.
2: Yeah, maybe that's what it's a testament to that they just haven't been a very good franchise, and that's what like this whole big project is about for them, like going back to when Brendan Shanahan's hired is like bringing them to a point. Where not just they're this flash in the pan, which is what they tried to be, basically. Under well, you the and I covered regime.
1: you and I covered the incompetence. When did you start? Two thousand seven. You and I covered yeah, the incompetence of that era, like two thousand six to like twenty fifteen, kind of before Shanahan came in, and that yeah. felt like a long time where they weren't very good and they were spinning their wheels and whatever. But the incompetence goes on for decades and decades and decades, and yeah. that we weren't even alive for some of it.
2: Yeah, it's just a testament to like how important it is to have the right people in charge.
1: Yeah, it's like you need and, you know what I you know what I see in some of the other Canadian teams, you need good ownership too. Yeah. You need it because the owner picks who's in charge. Yes. So you need like you need good stable ownership that's willing to spend money and that isn't nutso that isn't going to make crazy decisions. Well, I
2: wasn't a f- I didn't like his style so much, but Tim LaWicky is like a massive 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 figure in this whole thing. He hires Masai, he hires Brendan Shanahan, I don't know anything He gave really Nona's about a five-year extension, which he was a problem. Did, yes. But he cleaned that
1: up pretty fast. Well, Shanahan
2: cleaned it up. I think Li-Wiki yeah, but he was hired, on. but right. hired Shanahan, right?
1: So, the, and one of the things, so I think, did, think that you have to give wiki credit for for, sure. for hiring Shanahan because that for wasn't sure. an obvious choice. Like he could have brought in Ken Holland, or he could have brought in someone that might be like a safer choice that had more experience than Shanahan. Yeah, but I think what has been good about Shanahan is that he came in with a real outsider perspective. Like, when he was hired, he didn't really seem to know what the Leafs' problems were, and he was kind of honest about that. Yeah. It was interesting talking to him when he came to the Globe, and I got to talk to him, you know, myself and another reporter kind of for at length, and he really, that stuff he said publicly about how he was coming in as an outsider to kind of, like, analyze what was happening top to bottom in the organization, it, was, it wasn't it was BS. It was That was actually true. Like, he had been working in the league office. He hadn't been really paying attention to the Leafs. Right, and then I remember he
2: came in, watched the... T- like, he came in in April, or was it May? It was right April, at the end of the season. April.
1: The season was still going. Right. He was hired. I remember I was down in Florida.
2: Was it April?
1: Or late March, or yeah. Late- yeah, It was announced. I was down at a Panthers, Leafs at Panthers game. They were out. They had just blown. They had yeah. won, like, two of their last 16 games or whatever, and just the 18-wheeler.
2: I just remember him coming in, basically saying, like, I'm going to look at everything, like, and see... See what the players are, what the prospects are, and I'm sure he just looked around and said, "Like, there's there's not a lot here." And well, like, the players, they had some
1: good players. Yeah,
2: yeah. There wasn't have, a lot they, in the front
1: office. There wasn't a lot of good. There well, wasn't but a, he
2: kept those people on initially, right? For
1: a year, um, and and to be fair, not all of them. He, lots of good fortune. He tossed a bunch of them right away because Kyle Dubas was hired. And They got rid of the assistant GMs and.
2: Right, that was at the end of the summer, right? I'm trying to remember the sequence of events. So he gets hired at the end of that summer. He hires Kyle Dubas after firing Loisel and Poulin. Um, then they have that season where Randy's still in charge. They're they're having some success, but doing it in the way it was way 2014. It's been it.
1: four years since Shanahan was
2: yeah. Married. So so 14 15 was it
1: or was it 13 14. 1415 was the year. Because
2: 1415 is the end of the, the crazy, horrible year where things just spiraled out of control. Right.
1: And, and guys like Poulin and Lozell and a bunch of the front office weren't there. They were gone already because right. he got rid of those guys right away almost in the first few months and brought in Kyle Dubas. And Kyle, Kyle was 28 years old. It was four years ago, I remember.
2: So he would have come in at the end of the 1314 season.
1: The day they announced Kyle Dubas was hired, I was moving into my new house. So I remember exactly. I came running over in jogging pants to come to the press conference. Did you? <laughs> Pretty much. My, I had no clothes. I was My house, my condo was empty. Do you
2: remember that press conference at all? Yes. What do you remember him saying? With Kyle Dubas? You weren't there? Kyle Dub- no, Kyle Dubas I was.
1: So what press conference then? So
2: Shanahan. So Shanahan was hired April, April-ish 2014. Yeah. Yeah, so this... I'm just trying to get in, in my head the version of events that
1: happened. So he comes in. He decided to keep Carlisle, but he got rid of Lozelle and Poulin, and he brought in Dubas. He, right. he immediately, it was immediately apparent that he was going to do things differently. Well, we saw that
2: maybe the, the first big move was drafting Nylander. The, the interesting thing, like when we get back to management, is we, we still don't know what their management is going to be. Like you've right. reported that it's likely going to be right. Dubas, but... It's it's still not clear what's going to happen with Lou Lamorel, and obviously that matters in the big picture too. Well, we're
1: talking about who's the third line center going to be, and it's like if it's a pretty big difference if Lou Lamorel is in charge or Kyle Dubas is in charge. What what they see as the right path to follow. Well, and
2: even for someone like Komarov, like if Kyle Dubas is the GM, I would presume that that will be the end of Leo Komarov in Toronto, and probably Roman Polak. and, and right. And a lot of and it's those. like a whole interesting conversation about like what all the ramifications of that are. Yeah. Um, it's its own podcast. It's its own podcast in the off season, so we can keep going. Let's uh, now that we have some topics. We can. I actually wanted to talk about Matt Martin. He played against Buffalo. Um, Rapid fire lightning round. Yeah, what do you think ends up happening with him? I know you've gotten questions about this in the, the the mailbag.
1: I think that they try and trade Matt Martin. I think you wait till after July one. Most of his salary is gone. Maybe you have to retain part of that contract to trade him, and that's what happens. Hopefully, a team will take him for they got to be careful because they need the cap space, right? So if they're going to retain on Martin, you know, you don't want to retain too much because it's going to hurt you in in 2019. Okay. Um, I wanted to talk a bit about their second power play unit. I just wrote about this. This this is really top
2: of mind, the Matthews unit.
1: I haven't read your story, so you're going to have to fill me
2: in. Obviously, like prior to that two-goal game that Matthews has against the Sabres, that unit had been bad. And and not even like generating opportunities, just looking like it it kind of had lost its way. Um, what do you think that power play ends up looking like next
1: year? Like, do we have any idea? Like, obviously they're going to rebuild both the units. Like,
2: it's possible that Neil and Her and Matthews
1: are separate units, isn't it? No, no I don't. You think, don't, think I don't so? Well, I mean, maybe they find a way to make that happen, or maybe it's like Cadre. It's too hard to guess what.
2: Yeah, because we don't know what the roster is going to look like.
1: I mean, I I think ideal world. The Matthews unit becomes your first unit, and then you build a second unit out of the other guys. The Jansons and Or maybe like you that. just power up one unit and get Kadri playing with Matthews and Nylander. Well, that's what
2: most teams do. And it was actually interesting in looking back at like some of the video from the beginning of last year. Kadri actually started last year with the Matthews group.
1: Yeah. And then I mean, it they, wasn't working.
2: Yeah, and it wasn't working. And then they found the spot for Kadri in the middle on the Bozak group. And, and they, they took it, off. it yeah. took off. It took off. And there's such an its funny, like, when you're looking ahead to the playoffs and, like, the ramifications of having an, a good second group, Tampa has a bad power penalty kill. Boston has a really good penalty kill. Either way, if you have a second group that suddenly can score and be a threat, it, like, can change the dynamic of a series.
1: And Jake Gardner talked about this after the Buffalo game, how different the two units are, how it's harder for other teams to pre-scout them because they have to prepare completely differently for which unit yeah you don't know which of your pk units necessarily if you don't have last change is going to be playing against which power play unit so they, they're going to be getting much different looks of what kind of shots are going to be coming it's a, it's a good weapon to have i don't know that next year they're going to be able to have two really good power play units but it's an asset to have right now
2: well and it's an asset that like you touched on this
1: to have two that play
2: completely differently so, like, you have to prepare for two distinct power plays as opposed to most, which are just the same. Um, it's, it's interesting, like, when you look at the way that they're going into the playoffs this year versus going into the playoffs last year, one dynamic that they didn't have, and it's cooled off a little bit recently, but they didn't have, like, this Kadri-Marner thing. Um, they had Marner playing with Van Riemsdyk and Bozak at this time last year, and Marner didn't look like he has this second half. I think that could completely change the dynamic of like what they're able to
1: accomplish and make them so much harder to match up against. Well, they could have two first lines. Basically. That's yeah. what they have. I think they could have two first lines. Yeah. Because and, and your third like a, line is like a pretty good third line, and your fourth line is potentially a pretty good fourth line. So that's... You know, I, I, the reason Washington... One of the big reasons Washington was better than them in the playoffs last year is that they had more depth. They had more forward depth. And they had really good first line a second line that was almost a first line, and then they had two third lines is kind of what Washington had. And, and Toronto wasn't there yet. And I think that now you can argue they have two first lines the way that Washington did last year.
2: Yeah, because like you looked at that series and the Van Riemsdijk line got hammered and targeted. Um, it's funny, do you, do you sense like there's a – you and I, I think, have believed that there's a chance that they can win. I think this is something you're considering. How real do you think it is, like at this point, like that they could be that team that
1: their road's really tough because they're going
2: to have to beat both. They're going to have to go Tampa. through a lot of really good teams, yeah. And like we're not even mentioning Pittsburgh or Washington.
1: But the Leafs are one of the hottest teams in the league. I mean, say what you would, their schedule's been easy, but
2: well, but since they made the lineup change, like they yes. they are legitimately one of the best teams in the
1: league, right? Um, they stopped making really dumb decisions, and they started putting like their best players and their best lines together. And
2: well, it's funny. You and I were talking about it in the press box. Like it wasn't that long ago that that Frederick Oche and Matt Martin were on their fourth line, right? And now both are like not even possibilities right. to play.
1: Now they're like the seventeenth best forwards and or eight, eighteenth or, or, or further.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like like Josh Levo's like a, a black ace. Dominic Moore, Black Ace. You know what I mean? Like, they're just, they're just in a completely different spot. Yeah. I'm trying to see what else we got here. Anything else you want to talk about? Oh, we, we should talk about the D briefly. Okay. Um, we don't know how long Travis Dermott's going to be out. They've said he didn't end up breaking his foot.
1: Um, but if they don't have him,
2: what do you think they end up doing?
1: I think that hurts him a lot. I was showing you yesterday at even strength, he leads the entire NHL defenseman in points per 60. So mm-hmm. he's been a productive player. It's interesting if you look at the Leafs' defense, all of the offense is coming from that left side of, of their defense with Gardner, Riley having huge offensive years and Dermott being a big contributor there. Well, that's where all the skill is. They're going to have to, if he's not ready, they're going to have to call up Borgman and really think about using him because I don't like the arrangement they used against Buffalo where they had Hanzy and have together and Carrick with Riley and Gardner with Polak. Like I, I did... It didn't go well for Hainsie and Zaitsev. Well, if you look at their possession over the year when they're together, it's
2: horrible. Well, because they're two not very skilled players. Who it's just
1: like whack the puck out as much yeah. as they can, and then it gets trapped at the point or and on the boards. Neither guards. one
2: can really skate it out and do it himself. Right. Yeah, I guess you have to. You call it Borgman. You pair him with Polak, which is another conversation in itself. But I think Polak will be in there for game one. Um. But yeah, he's it, it. That's another thing. Like, it's it's crazy when you look at the year that that he wasn't on the team all season,
1: right? Because well, it's
2: clear he's better than Borgman. Like, yeah, by a, by a bit.
1: I and mean, he's better than a bunch of guys they have on the right side. Like Dermot's made a really big impression. So, I which think- is
2: which changes the conversation. Like not just this year, but like down the, down the line. Yeah, when cap space gets tough, and you might have to let go of Jake Gardner. Like
1: maybe you have a guy who just comes in and replaces him and does a lot of the same things. Potentially, yeah. So, and if you feel like your third pair is strong, with if Borgman's going to be a regular guy, well, or,
2: maybe like Borgman and Littlegren is your third pair, right? Down the line, yeah. And then eventually, like you still got to find a right D somewhere. So, well, and that's the last thing we'll talk about today. Is this was in your mailbag? Um, we haven't talked about him much, and I'm not sure why. I think we just assumed that he would resign in Washington, and he will re-sign in Washington. But John Carlson you've concluded it does make sense for them.
1: It sounds like Carlson's going to go to that interview period. Like I think a lot of guys are looking at guys that have leverage are looking at it and like why Tavares is the same way? Why would I sign a deal when I can go see what else is available? Right. And it gives me I think agents are saying it gives us so much more leverage. Like if Carlson is negotiating now with Washington who are having are going to have a lot of cap problems as opposed to if he's negotiating with Washington after he's talked to other teams and seen what's out there. I just feel—you look at the year Carlson's having. Yeah. He leads all defensemen in points, right?
2: He's right up there if he isn't. I
1: think he's leading all defensemen right now. and Like, he's had a monster career year. I think the last two years he didn't even get to 40 points, and this year he might get 70. So,
2: Don't buy on that, though. No,
1: but other teams might. And I think that he can argue that he's worth a long-term deal for around $7 million a year.
2: Okay, so if you're the Leafs, what's the contract you offer him? Seven by seven? <sighs> That's, that seems it's like a lot of money. yeah I know
1: and it's a, I I wonder probably the smartest course of action for the Leafs is try not to get too much term involved on some of these guys so maybe you go five years seven point one or I don't know I don't know what will get it done and I guess it also depends
2: on like what happens with Tavares like you kind of need to know that yeah. ball
1: before you approach this other one yeah. They're gonna have, and it's a it's, it's gonna be a really. Hard... If you had to pick one or the other too, it's really difficult because they need that help on that right side of the blue line so much. I think you
2: see what you can do with Tavares first, and then you go from there.
1: But the, but it's possible then you lose Carlson. They're Tavares in... like changes your world. Yeah, they're in an interesting position where they don't need to worry about the cap the next year. So I think what you do is you just get good players. If you can sign Tavares. If you can sign Carlson, I, getting both of them seems completely unrealistic. But if you can get one of those guys on a big contract, you deal with the cap implications of the year after when you need to. Well, I'm if not- that means you got to get rid of Zaitsev and you got to get rid of you know Gardner or mm-hmm. you know, like you're going to have to make a lot of tough decisions. But I think if you can get where they're weakest going into next season, and even right now, right D and 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 center. Mm-hmm.
2: Well and it would make sense that they're not gonna re-sign Matthews right
1: on July one, based on that.
2: Don't you need to like I think know? it's gonna be
1: like mid July, they name him captain and they give him a contract. Yeah, that's that my makes sense. That's my guess. Because
2: I feel like you need to know which like you need to know what you're doing with like Tavares or Carlson or whoever before you like commit to twelve or
1: eleven. I mean or I whatever. think it's a foregone conclusion that Matthews is gonna get twelve million by eight years. I think it's I think it's over. Don't you like I I don't think they're going to dink around with with that. Should they? Like wow. if you can save what are you going to get? Like I don't know. That's the thing. I don't know. Pepperson is a He's really stupid. a He's really good get... agent and yeah. They're going to try and get a number that's like rate right up, well, up to McDavid. so, so maybe it's, the
2: interesting one is is more actually it is. It's going to be Neander. Like what do you pay Neander? Yeah. If I'm Neander, if I'm the Leafs, I'm looking at Neander and I'm saying this is what Johnny Goudreau got. And granted, that's two years ago. Maybe well, that's three. the thing—is that the, the cap has gone up. up. Yeah, but I'm like, I think Goudreau got like six point seven five or something like that. Yeah, and
1: that was a tough negotiation. So yeah, that's no, I think that if fast. you can sign Neander long term at seven million, I think you do it. Seven by eight. And then the thing that is even more fascinating on top of that is that Marner's not due until the next year, and Marner's gonna look at what Neilander got and been like, "Come on, like Marner should just wait, I'm sure he will the year I'm sure he will, yeah probably have another huge year next year,
2: yeah, I, like if I was betting on over under eighty points, I'd, we were talking I'd say about over
1: we were talking about what contracts are these three the three kids gonna get like way back in like November or whatever, and I think we were saying twenty five million and now I look at it, and it's like it could be lot more, more than that. <laughs> like it could be 27 28 well so matthews will get 12 i think if lose the gm he probably tries to bridge Neilander and and marner
2: yeah you could be right
1: which i don't i wouldn't which do. might be a problem yeah okay don't, it's gonna depend on the number though like if if to get eight years Nealander wants way more than seven then well it's and it's
2: like do you pay like do you pay marner more
1: well you might have to if he has a huge year. Like what if Marner has a way better year than Neilander and then Neiler's got got this huge contract? Well
2: and, and the other thing like that factors in is like some of these comparables. Like Marner could have better numbers than Jack Eichel, better numbers than Dreisaitl. Right. Eichel got ten and a half, Dreisaitl got eight and a half. Right. Neilander could have better numbers than some of those guys. Right.
1: What's happening is that, and uh, the other reason I wouldn't do a bridge deal. teams have de-
2: effed well, it up for everyone else.
1: I wouldn't do a bridge deal also because the kids are all getting paid. And they're all getting paid, like, before they even deserve it. Like, I, lo- Jack Eichel's a great player. You can't but bridge had-
2: Marner. You can't do no, that. No, I don't Because think he can. could lead the league in scoring. Yeah. And then, like, well, then what are you going to do? Yeah,
1: well, Tampa's going to run into that problem with Kucherov, and I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, right. Could-
2: I think it's now, isn't it? Or, is he- it, or is it? or is it the following summer? I I think he's up.
1: I can't remember, but Kuch- anyway, I think he's up. Kucherov's going to be like, well, I just I should get eleven, right? Like, what, well, and what's, that's the
2: cost, right? What's of giving him four, four five.
1: Maybe he does have one year left. I know he signed a three year deal for four six, four seven six or whatever. He's it was. got one more. But then it's trouble. Four seven. I looked really closely at it, and I don't think I would bridge either guy. But I don't think you can. But it.
2: The one In thing saying
1: it, that, we don't know what the, they're asking for. The one thing
2: it does, and Tampa's a really good example of this, it gives you like however many years where you have more space to make your team really good. Whereas the long-term deal gives you more space long-term to make your team really good. And like you can look at teams like Chicago that just get absolutely killed by having... Taves and Kane at ten and a half, which is a completely different and situation. It's more like it,
1: Seabrook's a problem, and like yeah. the Bickle trade, the Bickle signing was a big problem because they had to trade Terravina just to get rid of Bickle. And like, yeah. if you like, you just if you have your big guys making a lot of money. And the other thing too is that you can't Taves up. and Kane got their big contract. They were kind of bridged because they did have those middle deals.
2: I think they were like six years or five years. Right. Or
1: so that's a bridge. And then and then you give them the 10.5 when they're older players and they're going to be entering declining years. Which like is you,
2: ultimately the conclusion you came to with Nylander Is Yes. Yeah, like you'd rather not just pay him, him, when him he's now. 30.
1: Yeah. And he's going to be 30 at the end of an eight year deal. And then. Yeah. So that's where Chicago runs into. I mean, like Chicago won three Stanley Cups. So, like, we're not questioning anything they did to that point. It's just what do you do at the end of that? To keep yourself competitive and good. and like what if they would have given Kane and Taves not bridge deals if they had been given them longer deals but then that would have cost them more money it would have made their cap situation tougher in those years and would they have won the cups and Great on and on and on and on
2: and yeah on. The, the thing is you, you just can't make that many mistakes
1: yes so like or you can't make any otherwise you're well like Zaitsev is it they're fortunate that the cap it isn't huge it's just long. They need him to be a number they need him to be a second pair defenseman for that number. And, and maybe he still can be. I don't like it's not He's have a much better year next year. Right. He's had lots of injuries. He's had injuries that haven't been talked about.
2: Yes. Okay. Alright. I think we recovered. We made the podcast okay after a terrible start.
1: No, it was so good. I think it was good all the way through. <laughs> I don't think so. Give us your feedback on Twitter about how good it was.
2: Okay. S- sign up to the Athletic. So next week, yeah, sign up to the Athletic. James we just hired you a discount. We just
1: hired Fluto Shinzawa in uh, Boston, who is fantastic. Very good writer. We have Joe Smith in Tampa. We are in 21 NHL markets, and we are going to be covering every single playoff series. So. Me and James both in, yeah.
2: in the playoffs. Yep, yeah,
1: yep. Yeah. Jonas um, and James on the road. So,
2: And there was one other thing I was going to mention, and I can't remember it. Oh, we'll be back next week. We'll do one before we leave for yes. Tampa or yes. Boston. yes. We'll do one then, on Monday next week, and then the plan is to actually do podcasts after each game of the playoffs. That's you you got to bring
1: line. the mic on the plane. Yeah, that'll be fine. Or one of us has to. Okay. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in to the Leaf Report. Follow the guys on Twitter at Jonas Siegel and at Myrtle.
0: Every time we try to forget who I am, I'll be right there to remind you again. You know.